the title of today's Dharma talk is Perception Plus. And the idea there is to uh, give me a reason to talk about perception and how we what add on. And we something happens. We perceive it. That's the, the third of the five skandhas, form, feeling, perception, concept, consciousness, or form, feeling, perception, impulse, as it's sometimes talked about. So it's some, we perceive something, and then we, <clears throat> rather than um, just receiving, just receiving, we add on our commentary, our prejudice, our opinions, our judgments, our uh, explanations, our evaluations, are, it's like a, some kind of a gatekeeper happening there. Sometimes this is called the seventh consciousness in the Yogacara tradition, that aspect of the mind that is paranoid, uh, 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 fearful of otherness, fearful of open space, fearful of something being too blatant. Now, what do we do about that? Aware, just be aware, don't correct it. If you see that you're doing that, uh, take a front row seat. Just just a witnessing. You don't have to be a witness. That's a, another kind of teaching that other people do. Don't, don't stretch your witnessing ability particularly. It will arise uh, as it needs to with what? Dependent origination. That teaching uh, didn't show up for us to manipulate it or do away with it or try to overcome it. We're, we're actually not separate from that teaching. Everything that appears as uh, anything is dependent on everything else for its uh, anythingness. When you sit down on your meditation seat, your chair, your zafu, your seiza bench, your gamden, or whatever device you have under your rear end to hold you up so that you can sit straight and so you can sit symmetrical and so you can um, take on a fundamental position of just receive, just receive. Uh, in this way of teaching, we don't particularly talk about producing anything like producing a particular attitude or structure other than very simply just receive. And a lot of that, <clears throat> it may start out as trying to receive, trying to receive. And then if you do it long enough, eventually you'll notice how something is blocking this. There's something you are actually, not you, but the, the, the quality of dependent origination that shows up as an apparent somebody that is fearful or is uh, uh, hopeful or is uh, um, uh, shutting down or shutting off or turning away or distracting, that that uh, needs to be observed, not manipulated or pounded into a particular shape, even though it's sometimes taught that way. So there's the perception, uh, form feeling perception. We are just perceiving through all of the sense fields, including the mind. Uh, you do not generate thoughts. It just looks like it. It looks, I'm not saying there isn't something going on there, but it's not exactly you thinking up stuff. It can, to some people, it can feel like something is thinking you, like some dynamic, some aspect of consciousness is uh, what doing your thinking for you. Uh, you quite often will, might feel that way. Uh, if you're, if you have no mind training at all, you'll definitely feel like uh, you're being thought uh, rather than you, you have more of that feeling that it's called worry or uh, dread or speculation or guesswork or any otherness that shows up that is other than what's in front of you. <clears throat> if you look at what's in front of you, there's not much going on. 
and the ego does not get a credential particularly from that. I'm not saying there aren't ways to, that credential couldn't show up. So it's, it's with the awareness that we do this. It's through, it's with, it's as uh, awareness of being uh, uh, pointed at in a very simple way. There's, there is a receiving quality to it. And there's the so-called objectivity, the yellowness, the greenness, the squareness, the roundness, the, the texture, the distance. There's just so many dynamics that are thought of as all the descriptions of the uh, experience of just seeing let alone just smelling, just tasting, just hearing, just thinking. That's the one that's the crowd pleaser. So don't accept, as you heard me say and others say, don't accept it, don't reject it, don't look away. Don't accept passion, don't reject aggression, and don't look away ignorance. And the process of doing that is to see the way you personally or, or I personally tend to turn away into something else. Sometimes there's kind of a, a way that we can avoid what's showing up to go into what we think about it, to go into speculating about it, rather than just uh, completely um, being in a radical space. In other words, a, the root situation, even the root is still part of a plant. So if you went beyond the root, what would that be about? Would there any, is there any beyond the root? Find out. The root is metaphor just like the, the the storehouse consciousness or the ale vijnana is still uh, the storage so to speak of, of that which is divided up into chunks the vasanas are all the other words that only chisho knows about <laughs> well chisho and a few billion other people so, so it is not about correcting anything, about not doing that. When, when I say, when, uh, when we think about we're perceiving something and then we're, we're doing some math, we're adding, subtracting, we're modifying what is showing up. Um, it's not about correcting that or trying to not do that. It's just, just uh, um, there, there's no, uh, what, what feels like uh, is needs work or, need, or is somehow threatened or is not doing so well or is too far down the side of the mountain or there's too much, uh, you're much too much in the dark. Th those are positions that we take that give us the feeling that we're going somewhere, accomplishing something, that we're making some progress. There's, there's no particular progress in the conventional sense. So the idea is to just watch the movement of that. Julie just went and got her notebook, so that's good. Onyo's <laughs> uh, going through one ballpoint pen after another, and then she reads and goes through and reads. He just says the same thing over and over again. <laughs> she, how many? You have several. Years. You have years and years of notebooks. So just in case the technology breaks down, uh, I hope you can read <laughs> if you if you even want to. So this perception, a perception or the receiving, because you 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 can work with that and and everyone's going to do this a little bit differently. When you sit down, when I sit down, when any anyone sits down and uh, and takes on this fundamental radical form of sit down, hold still, sit symmetrical, which isn't so hard to do. The body is already somewhat symmetrical, except for those of you who have one ear bigger than another. I know you. I know who you are. <laughs> yeah. Kevin, for sure. 
And so sit down and take on an attitude in your rhythm because body, mind are not separate. They just look incredibly separated and give us the illusion that we have control just because I can talk and bring my fingers together like this as an expression, or I can just not do that. I can hold, put my hands in my lap. And then that gives us uh, more and more of a controlling connection with the body, mind complex and the, the, the seventh consciousness or the ego mind or the paranoid mind or the grasping mind or the, the proud mind, or the fearful mind, or the shameful mind, 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 separation, separation. So it is about, as an awareness practice, sitting in a symmetrical posture and watching the way you personally, because your personal karma is going to be, uh, uh, using that word again, radically different from others, even though you were born, the person next to you was born. But what came into this uh, uh, human realm uh, did not just start here. This is the first thing that has occurred. It goes back endlessly. You're not separate from anything, from any cloud, any tree, any rock. And it's not some kind of romantic feeling of oneness. That's baloney. That's just extra romantic crap to cover up the actual discovery, which is nothing is separate. There isn't any otherness anywhere. It's an incredible illusion. And if you realize it, you'll, uh, you'll be home. Or not. You won't care. Everything would be your home. There isn't any place that you don't belong. There isn't anything that occurs that is incorrect. And this is not, does not do away with relative situations of, as in the Zen tradition, the famous one, of course, is uh, chop wood, carry water. Before awakening, chop wood, carry water. After awakening, chop wood, carry water. It's just an interesting way of teaching that it's like saying what the His Holiness the 16th Karmapa Rung Jung Rigpi Dorji said on his uh, when he was uh, leaving the, uh, this realm, uh, 1981, uh, nothing happens. It doesn't mean that nothing happens. It means nothing happens. It takes a while. And you, you, it looks like the, 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 the magnetic quality of that, of listening to that statement, perceiving that statement is that there's something else you need to understand about nothing happens. <laughs> so it's, it's the trap of all traps, uh, the simple statement, the simple direct state, statement of uh, not only of, uh, that great uh, bodhisattva, but also of uh, fundamental direct uh, pointing at the mind of, of Zen masters, Tibetan masters, teachers of the Buddha. So meeting things where they're at, uh, you, can, you can begin this practice today, right now. You can listen to my words with no addition. If you're listening to my words with no addition, no plus, no math, you will not know what I'm saying. If you know what I'm saying, that's not incorrect. It's just a way of working with what arises by, it's like, uh, I would call it uh, uh, the, the sangha being full of condiments. There's one meal being delivered here. No salt, no pepper, nothing extra. Put nothing on it. So therefore, it's just a straight situation. And it's uh, if it's not straight, then uh, then it's my inability to function in a way that uh, is uh, straight and direct without anything extra. And when I say my inability, just a way of talking about it. There's no, uh, there's nothing. Uh, 
uh, incorrect, particularly. This may look that way. So insofar as you can, um, do this uh, facing a wall. Well, simple, simply put, facing the carpeting, facing your backyard if you want to, but something where not much is happening. It could be your altar or your shrine, whichever word you use, or your, your, your meditation wall, your uh, something where not much is happening. Even a sleeping dog will work if they cooperate. <laughs> you, you watch your dog occasionally. Yeah. When I sit? Yeah. She's usually next to me. But you're not watching her? Well, that's probably more of an advanced practice. <laughs> that's when you see that the dog has the Buddha nature. Yeah. So enough silly humor. I'm just saying that this perception of, of um, the teaching of perception only, the Yogacara teaching of, of, of whatever you perceive is, has no subject object, uh, has the appearance of that. That's the appearance. But the fundamental nature of it is they're not separate. Uh, there, that the perceiver and what is being perceived uh, are not separate from each other. Separated, yes, but fundamentally not separate. If you see the fundamental quality of something, you're amazingly enough, you're able to operate with even more uh, apparent relative freedom in the, in the three-dimensional world of right and wrong, up and down, and cause and effect. Uh, the politics of experience, which are smeared all over our world. And most people are struggling within those gooey layers of the politics of experience. One who is liberated, when I say one who is liberated, that's a little bit of a exaggeration. But liberation is not something else. Uh, it is not separate from all the goo of the politics of experience or the craziness of our, our world today or during the Peloponnesian Wars or during the Civil War or uh, during all of the different wars that happened in uh, ancient China or Japan, all the fighting, the Second World War where my father went in, in 1944 and didn't come back. He was killed. I'm sure that's you have similar things that's happened in your family. People, People get so intensely um, upset with somebody else or otherness, you know, paranoia and, and uh, uh, ignorance or prejudice, prejudice against others. Just uh, it's heartbreaking to see. And uh, I'm not saying you can't go out and do something actively. You could do that. But the main thing to not to to not neglect because people will misunderstand and think you're turning into a vegetable or something if they don't do this. So. Uh, don't promote anything uh, other than get yourself to the wall, sit down, and hold still until you see what this is. Until you until you have no doubts. Until it's it's uh, until you're certain about it. It is not a relative certainty. There will be no proof. The certainty will come out of uh, uh, everything you do, every breath you take. Every, everything, everything is, is preaching the, the Buddha Dharma. And if I were to translate it into separate, into uh, simple words, I would say, uh, not separate, not separate, not separate, not separate, not something else, not something else. In Mandarin, it would, it would be, we'll <laughs> I'm trying to see 
who understands Mandarin, and they'll say, well, yeah, we understand it. You just can't pronounce it very well. <laughs> but we don't know. We don't know what this is. That kind of knowing is knowing. That kind of, that kind of knowing is knowing because you're no longer uh, hooked by, contaminated by the hope and fear of trying to be better, trying to improve, not trying not to be this terrible person that you've been maybe thinking that you were as, as I once did. That, that feeling has not gone away. This is, uh, my understanding, this is what it means when it says nothing happens, nothing changes, because it's not about getting away from certain aspects of relative truth into the ultimate truth that's really the good truth. That other stuff over there was the bad, the evil. No, they're not separate. That's difficult when you see Anders Brevik kill dozens and dozens of children, but it starts to show up as an understanding when the society there, rather than punishing him and making it even worse, tries to find out how can we fundamentally, my understanding, not particularly what's, how can we fundamentally help this person? So that because this person did something that no one wants to do that. Even the person who was done what happened uh, uh, down in Georgia killed people. Fundamentally, they don't want to do that, but, but relatively they're caught up in the, in the net of dependent origination that has to do with, with this and that. And he said that, they said this. So this is, it's the obvious form of dependent origination where you, if anybody says anything, your thoughts are not your own. Have you noticed? No matter what people say, you're affected by it. It might be to shut it out. I don't believe that. Or it might be to say, uh, well, that, yeah, that's what I've been waiting to hear. Now, let me hear more of that. Or else we have the, the other, uh, um, uh, the curtain between acts closes it's called ignorance. ignorance. Just a big curtain that comes down because we don't want to deal with, is it right? Or is it wrong? We just don't want to look at that because the, the hope and fear that arises there, both directions, which are not separate from each other starts to show up and, and eats at that area that we've been protecting with our ideas, our opinions, our judgments, and our fear of losing, our fear of death, our fear, fear, fear. If you see someone that's all buffed up and doesn't seem to, seem to be fearful and they're a big bully, they're terrified. They just don't know it. And why they, the reason they don't know it is they just spend, what, three minutes, three years, three lifetimes covering up the fear with aggression, aggression. And then it gets romanticized, as it did in ancient Japan, ancient the Romans and so on. You can find it everywhere. Um, you know, my teacher, Chogyam Trungpa Rinpoche, was apparently, I didn't talk to him about it, was, was used that romanticization. Not bad. And you didn't get any help from you, other than a nod. Mm -hmm. That romanticization of things in order to what? Manipulate and control people. And of course, the Vidyadara was trying to plant the Buddhist teachings in this country. And he had to use the language that he ran into. So he didn't set up some kind of magical mystery tour of uh, Buddhism that would uh, cause people to enter into that way of seeing it. He came and learned our language and he learned it extremely well. He was a powerful, powerful Mahasiddha. I'm happy to respond to question or I can keep going on. Did you? A question from William in Marquette. Okay. When I focus on something, for example, if I say, 
flower, fresh, as I breathe and sit, am I becoming more like a fresh flower? Might I be a flower in the afterlife? No. Unlikely. Make, make no comment. So this is not to say that what you're talking about there might not occur. It might occur on some level. But when I say no, um, I'm functioning as a someone uh, functioning as a teacher. I'm saying, don't do that. Just receive. Make no comment. And if you do make a comment, then just notice the comment you're making and notice that it came out spontaneously. Uh, and because it, it, you're actually seeing the root, the actual uh, patina, the the cover, this thin covering that makes it look like otherness that is actually dependent origination. If you see dependent origination as it is, as it is, as it is, you're liberated. And what's liberated? Nothing. There is no liberation. If you think something gets liberated, that's called, what's that called? Delusion. Yeah, delusion. But we have to say something about it because delusion and confusion and pain and suffering uh, are, is so intense and we're torturing each other. We're torturing ourselves with our ideas and our convictions and our conclusions and our politics. It's rampant. There are lots of really relatively brilliant people who have no mind training. So it's just a highly polished, sophisticated form of uh, trying to be peaceful by fighting with war. I say, don't go to war. Don't go to peace. Take no position. It may feel lonely, more than likely. Further question, uh, William, if you have it. Junchibowing, he says, to clarify, if I say it as I breathe, I also say lake, still, mountain, solid, and space, happy, to help me focus while I stare at the wall. Okay, so let's start with this. You don't stare at the wall. Staring at the wall is a is is protects you protects you from the wall. It protects you from from seeing what is fundamentally the case. As soon as you use that word, you may think, "Well, I'm just describing what I'm doing." Probably not. So just receive. When you sit, if you get up off the cushion, then do whatever you want. You can do flower, rock, uh, smiley face. Uh, uh, bowl of pansies. You can do whatever you want. There's nothing wrong with that. But when you're training your mind, if you're listening to me, and right now you are, you may never listen, listen to me again. And that would not be a mistake. You should do what you need to do, not what I'm saying. But if you are considering what I'm saying, then I'm saying, keep it as radical, as minimalist as possible. Sit down, look at the wall. It's like, it's like uh, the, the painter looks at a blank canvas and never makes a mark. If they're a true painter, they never will make a mark, even though their, their studio will be full of, of uh, artwork, full of paintings. Uh, this is what Jackson Pollock was trying to understand when he was throwing paint everywhere. It's what Ed Reinhardt was trying to understand when he, when he, back in the 1950s when he made black paintings. Did he succeed? I don't know if he did or not. But I'm saying when you sit down and face the wall, you're not staring at it. You're receiving what is there. And if you're receiving what, are there, what is there, it will be discontinuous. If you, you will, you'll notice that you really can't lock down on even what you're doing unless the, the uh, thinking mind comes in and complains about being bored. This is why I say when you do block sitting, sit four hours, not three, four. And because that last hour is a, 
it takes about three hours for the self-centered jingle jangle mind that wants something else. It's always trying to rattle its pockets to see if it has any change. Like, yeah, yeah, I'm okay. I got change. I got, I got some money. Just a way of talking about it. I'm, I'm not saying that what you're doing uh, is, William, is incorrect. But if you're listening to me and this, and you, you're asking questions, so I'm endeavoring to, with your permission, because you're asking the question, to give you some help. Simplify it. When you get off the cushion, do whatever you want. I mean, don't do anything bad. Don't do anything that I wouldn't approve of. <laughs> do whatever you want. But I'm saying when you sit down and face the wall, if you want to train in this in this way that I'm promoting, I guess you would say, or teaching, keep it very simple. Hold the body very still in a symmetrical posture and don't maintain it. Hold it very still, but not maintain. No kind of macho pressure to not move but do the movement very, very def, uh, intentionally. If your back hurts, then move it. Stretch your back, then return to stillness, return to silence, return, return, return. As Category Roshi said in the title of his, uh, I think his one and only book, as far as I know, Returning to Silence. Just, just return. Just re return to the wall, return to the wall. Nothing much, nothing much, nothing much. Or as Charlotte Joko Beck says, nothing special, nothing special. And it's special, quite special for a long time, but eventually see, it's nothing, nothing special is a relative way of talking about perception. Question from Amida. Yes. What causes the hungry ghost karma? So, well, way down the line could be all kinds of things, but basically it's just wanting something else, grasping for something else, uh, complete, intense, powerful, overwhelming poverty. Of, 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 uh, and uh, <clears throat> the downside of the poverty is we, we relatively we try to fill it up. We try to fuel ourselves. We try to get what we want. We lust after this. We desire. And we get, we'd end up in a state of mind at once where the, the ego, the self-centered situation becomes a hungry ghost or so, something that can't get enough to eat. It's characterized in the in the uh, uh, pictures of that realm as beings with giant bellies and little tiny mouths. So there, there's a lot of hunger symbolized by that, and uh, no place to get the food in. So it's kind of a just a way of teaching it. But it's uh, and the way I would talk about that is just just to, uh, just observe the craving, observe that for as long as you can. This doesn't mean that you should uh, go out and indulge it and with some kind of idea, well, I have to go out and really grab things and go after things so that I can see the way that works. No, you don't. It can all happen on the wall. All, all the hungry ghosts, the information you need is on the wall. It is not in uh, drugs or, or anything else. So Glenn Bowing, um, Daniel has a question in the chat box. Okay says, from another angle, in the Sandokai, it says, to encounter the absolute is not yet enlightenment. Please, what does it mean to encounter the absolute? And what is enlightenment? Wow. <laughs> if you were here, Daniel, I'd kick you. But you're a long ways away, so I won't. Thank you for the question. Um, to uh, encounter... Uh, the absolute is not yet enlightenment. It just means that you will have an idea that you, you are enlightened. 
And so it's to encounter the concept of, the, of enlightenment. You can't actually encounter the enlightenment. You can't encounter enlightenment uh, because you've never been separate from it. Your fundamental nature is always completely not separate from the Buddha. And this, has, this is why it's called a realization. It's like it's something you've been covering up forever. And then it just collapses because you stop fueling that little uh, whatever hungry ghost or that, that grasping protecting thing that is protecting something that is unreal in the first place, the ego. So, um, so the, it's just a way that uh, in Sandokai that, uh, that he's endeavoring to, to address that so that you can see that even if you encounter, even if you see, you might reflect on what he said is not uh, to encounter the absolute is not yet enlightenment to encounter because you're, you can't encounter the absolute. So that's that would be my understanding. We'd have to talk to him to see what he intended. He might mm -hmm. say, ah, "No, I didn't mean that. That's that's too simplistic," <laughs> or whatever he would say. Uh, in Mandarin, of course. And uh, but then, what is enlightenment? It is a word uh, that a, a strong concept concept that has all kinds of things. Uh, it's like a, if it were a whale, it would have uh, fifteen hundred pilot fish hanging off from it, trying to feed off that concept of that idea but uh, uh, enlightenment what what the word enlightenment is pointing at or endeavoring to identify is uh, complete clarity about the nature of what this situation is of being a living being of being with other living beings all this apparent relative truth to see that it is fundamentally not something else it has no otherness to it it is completely, uh, to, I have to use words uh, as you do, and you, you're a Dharma teacher also, so you understand. So you have to use words, but you realize that you're, you're just full of lies. I mean, you can't, and so that's one of the difficulties with even teaching the Dharma, because when you start, you realize that you can't really say this. You can't really put this into words. So then uh, because of your, your wish to save all beings, to be with all things, to fundamentally help others with their difficulty, you say it anyway. It's just that you're not. Uh, in love with your own uh, speech. I can feel your soft kick. Well, I thought it was harder than that. <laughs> yeah, it was soft. I wouldn't kick anyone. Further questions? Bowing. Earlier you said, uh, if you listen to my words without adding anything, you won't know what I'm saying. <laughs> when you say we won't know what you're saying, does that mean we won't understand the words you're using? You you might understand them relatively, but you you won't you won't be able to squeeze those words to get a relative result out of it. When I say you won't, you might be able to do that for a while, but but you won't be able to find that uh, that that otherness that that is other than what you already know, which is oh now I see unlikely to happen if it does uh in, in the extreme if it happens it's the uh, the in the japanese zen tradition it's called kensho or insight into your into the unreality of what you thought was here but it won't last because it is an experience anything that shows up as an experience here's one what's happening to that experience it is slowly going away maybe if we can try really hard we can remember it excuse me if something you says you say seems helpful to us, is that 
a misunderstanding? Uh, I, I didn't catch, can you repeat it please, uh, Juju? If something you say seems helpful to us, is that a misunderstanding? It could be. I don't know. I, I, I do the best I can. Uh, I do the best I can to not interfere with anybody and only teach people with their permission. Because otherwise, otherwise you have to, it's more about manipulating and controlling people. So your perception, one thing I might say, some person might say, you know, that was really helpful, what he said or what, and then other person say, I have no idea what, what was said there. And another person, though, they would be unlikely to say something, might even think, I don't think that's very helpful. If they did that very much, they wouldn't be around long. They'd go study under someone else. Some um, studying under uh, Dalai Lama, Thich Nhat Hanh, His Holiness the 17th, all great teachers. They're just a different way that the Dharma is presented. Just if you go and read uh, uh, Brad Warner's books, Brad Warner's on Wikipedia, uh, uh, Wikipedia. Yeah, and I'm not. I tried to get on there and they say, no, you're not well known enough. <laughs> I'm thinking, well, how do I get well known? So Brad Warner's on there because he's written many, many books on Zen. I talked to him not too long ago. And uh, yeah, he's he's written books on Zen and he's famous. I mean, he can go to Europe and they'll, and they'll set him up and he teaches and not during COVID season. So and is that incorrect? No, not at all. Uh, some people are not ready for uh, for the we're not ready for uh, the video or trunk rinpoche. A lot of, I saw people come and listen. Say, I can't, I can't do this. I can't. I can't even understand what he says he's cutting through. Or I don't. He's too outlandish. Or he smokes too many cigarettes. Or he drinks too much. Or he. He. Uh, I've heard that he abuses people. Whatever kind of rumor was going around. <laughs> So it's, it's you can't you can't shave away all the difficulty and just have a boat with no barnacles. You can't you can't do that. There needs to be uh, everything that include includes itself or that shows up is uh, is part of dependent origination. There's nothing nothing to correct, nothing extra. What is there there? There's something to be seen deeply, and you can see it deeply by looking at the wall, a way of gazing at the wall, gazing into space. You can look out a window if you want, as long as not much is happening or moving. Jim Shibowing. Yes. How do we see what we're adding on to what we perceive? It's a matter of persistence. We just continue with, with an attitude of, of uh, endeavoring to receive endeavoring to whatever moves ob observe that without necessarily having to uh, put some kind of a brass nameplate on it because that's some kind of a safety thing that keeps us from looking too deeply into uh the the dark woods because we start seeing uh, red eyes looking back at us out of those woods not comfortable and so it's a metaphor for uh, beginning to see those aspects of ourselves that are that are closed off this and this is a, the, the the Buddha, the uh, the Dharma, the Sangha, the, the teaching person, what is being taught, and and the community. That's why you need all three of these on, on at different times and different levels. Quite often, the Sangha might not be ignored, but it's the Sangha is misunderstood as being a bunch of followers. No, the Sangha is just Buddhas everywhere.
I don't see anything with the Buddha. It's not a bragging point. Oh, you know, I have such a transcendental insight or something. Nope. Totally ordinary. Nice show, Bonnie. Nice show. Go ahead. Um, does understanding something mean that we are looking away from what it really is? Um, no, <laughs> it means you are, you, you, you are what, what, what you're looking at. You, it is you, what you're looking at and you are not two different things anymore. And therefore you're liberated. Uh, it's a simple word. And, and the attachment that self-centered mind, ego mind and the grasping mind has to that is powerful. And it's sometimes that's what you have to deal with in your practice. Someone else might have to summon something else to deal with. So it can show up so many different ways, but there, there is, there, there's nothing else. So therefore you're, uh, you know, if you're, if you're liberated, then you're not going to feel particularly like anything has occurred. You just notice that you, you might notice that you're not particularly uh, frightened by anything, nor are you completely magnetized by anything. And if you are, then you, that's kind of curious, you know, hmm, that's interesting. I want to go over here and, Bang my head on that tree. <laughs> just, just a joke. Sorry, I'm sorry. I apologize for it not being funny. <laughs> funny to me. Nice so, is that understanding the same thing as knowing? Then, yeah, it's not, and it's a knowing that is not about uh, items of knowledge, or it's not about uh, a grasping, or the fundamental nature of of, uh, of the con conceptual idea of non-duality, which is no subject, no object. That they're that they're they're in cahoots to create what perception. So there's no object. The object you can't have an object without a, a subject, and so therefore uh, that's the relative display of that shows up like this. But when it's seen in its fundamental nature, uh, it's not separate. And you can actually be a living being and see this. How do I know? I don't know how else to say it other than I don't know it. I don't know it. If I were to say it uh, and without and uh, at the risk of misleading you, uh, I don't see anything else but myself. Now, that doesn't mean there's some kind of fancy me everywhere and everybody's face looks like this old man. No, it's, it's the extreme differentiation and desire that is compelled to separate and join and ignore. Manifested as individual humans everywhere. There is no one, there's no one else but, but you in the, in the fundamental sense. But you have to see this. Don't believe anything I say about it. More if you have it, and I show. Nice bowing. What is knowing something? If it's, well, relative truth is knowing this is a, a piece of wood and uh, this is a, a glass of water and you're a woman and this is an old man and people on the screen, this is zoom. And this is a, and, and we're all of the knowing, you know, all of the relative uh, situation, but to know what something is fundamentally or radically at the basis, even beyond the root, the root is still part of the plant, as I said earlier. So it's, it's an area that we're looking into and we sit down, we're looking at the root of the mind by just looking at what's being received because that's what roots do. Roots don't sprout leaves. And if they do, it's probably only in South America where weird things happen. So the root is the root is the root. And you look at that. And eventually, the, 
the root actually, you could say it's not a relative thing because actually when you see the root, you actually see the whole tree, you see everything. You see all, you see the trees, you see every bird that's ever landed in that tree. You see every bug that's fed on that tree. You see every uh, lumberjack that's chopped that tree down. You, you don't miss anything. Nothing is missing. As uh, Coben says, uh, there's tra a translation of the Heart Sutra, uh, Heart Sutra's mantra to the last part of everything all at once. Falling apart, falling apart, falling apart. Nothing to do. Actually, no one, no one there to do anything. Everything all at once. And therefore, with that realization, your the whole body-mind complex of what you do and who you're married to or who you're, what your relationships are, uh, it's just ordinary. Junchi Bowing. Yes. Question from Melissa in Portland. Melissa. What? The other day I mentioned to you that I felt guilt arise during and about my practice. That guilt has since moved. How do I perceive that guilt to better understand it? The, the guilt has been what? Has moved. You know, don't do anything with it. You don't have to, you don't, this is not psychology. It's not therapy. This is a spiritual path. And this means that you need to see it. And how you need to see it is uh, directly. And so you, you're seeing something because you said the, the guilt has moved. It, it'll move back or it won't. At some point, you won't be too concerned with how you feel about anything. You'll notice feelings come and go because that's what happens to human beings. Feelings come and go. But it's the, the separate identification with me as some special person who doesn't want to feel that and wants to feel that. It's the fixation on the feeling that, that generates and nurtures and gives nutrition to the imaginary uh, what seventh consciousness or the ego, the one that is hopeful and fearful and paranoid and looking out for everything. And, and shuts the gate to the to the the storehouse consciousness and and only lets certain things come back and through. It's like it's like a guardian of some kind, guarding the separate the separate situation. And so, um, uh, shame or guilt or any of that is that that is fuel for the for the ego. The same as pride is, or the same as the same as hope is, and and to, or to be hopeless is also, although hopeless hope hope. Hopelessness is a, a more of the way the path shows up. The further you go, it becomes more and more hopeless. <laughs> and I'm not laughing because that feels good because it doesn't when it's happening. What I'm laughing at is uh, uh, humor. Junchu bowing. Another question from Amita. Yes, Amita. How to deal with my desires because I'm surrounded by many desires. Well, uh, you know, I'd have to know more personally what you're dealing with to respond in a personal way. But I would say, insofar as you can, watch them come and go. Watch them if you don't fulfill them and if you don't shut down on them and if you don't ignore them. Uh, they, they may have some duration, but they're going to have a lot less if you fiddle with them. If you try to stop doing that, you know, not do that. Or if you try to distract yourself away from that. Or if you go in and, and indulge or any combination of those movement away from just the perception causes a reification, a restructuring and a solidification, a validation of 
perception plus perception perception plus something else plus the desire plus the plus the addiction plus i want this plus i'm surrounded by everything if you see what this is you're not surrounded by anything and there's no promise i can't guarantee that but what shows up in the, uh, the way of that that is uh, often said is it's there and it's intense and it's a perception and you feel it but it's a delusion that is unreal the self is unreal you who you are is completely can't be threatened because there there isn't anyone there i'm not saying that threat won't come up but it will look in vain for somebody to, that's afraid and so therefore your karma uh, may is undoubtedly as mine is or anyone else's all kinds of crap is happening you know this and then there's this and my partner and then my son is doing this and that you know it's just a it's just a cacophony of uh of, of this and that and up and down and back and forth. Sometimes they're entertaining. Sometimes they're, they're, it's like the, 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 the carnival or the circus, especially the carnival is kind of a, a, a somewhat of a metaphor for, for life. It's like there's the fun house and then there's the, the house of horrors. Then there's the house of mirrors. And then there's all the, you know, 15 or 20 different circular devices like merry-go-rounds, tilt-a-whirls, ferris wheels that say, this is what life is like. And you think this is fun. <laughs> and we do, to some extent, we, if we see that it's circular, there's kind of something interesting about that. Here I go again. Here I go again. So I would say to you, uh, I think it was Amita, uh, just, just observe. Insofar as you can, keep it as radical perception so that you radically or fundamentally uh, and, pr and persistently and consistently return and just look at the nature of the of how the mind itself how the consciousness is working with what arises and falls away it can be birds outside the window you can notice you by the time you do this you'll notice how many different songs a cardinal makes i'm being a little bit silly but it's like that it's you start to see the uh, very interesting and definite interstices between thought patterns and up with the sounds that are being received and with the plus Part that is added to what you just perceived. Do that. Do a lot of it so that when you get off the cushion and you wander around in your household with your uh, with your friends, with your family, with your coworkers, and so on, you're more clear about what's happening. You probably won't say anything about it. If you begin to see what this is, you will stop teaching. I say to people, don't teach unless you absolutely have to. Misunderstanding to teach. Uh, but if you're a student of mine and I tell you to teach, then you probably should teach or, or don't be a student of mine. Kevin Bowing. Yes, Kevin. In the stanza earlier in Sandokai, it says, the subtle source is clear and bright. The tributary streams flow through the darkness. If the source is clear and bright, then why, why the darkness? Because we were afraid of the source. We've shut off from beginning of time. Something has, has turned about and turned, it's called samsara. So the downside of it, it's turned about. The upside of it is we, is it's a, it's like an incredible university. It's an incredible uh, structure of, of understanding deeply, not just relative knowledge, but understanding deeply the nature of what this is as a, as a conscious understanding of it which includes what all the things that used to magnetize us into hope and fear and right and wrong. So, uh, we eventually see that these are just forms arising in the mind stream and wh whose mind stream 
no ownership. Your mind stream, my mind stream are not the same, nor are they separate. It's a simple way to use the clunky relative language to point at something that is that is uh, can't be described, but is understood. And you may have to understand that conceptually for a while before you eventually have what's sometimes uh, thought of as a breakthrough. Uh, I don't necessarily use that word. So, um, so repeat the uh, rest of that Sandokai again, uh, uh, Kevin, if you would, please. The subtle source is clear and bright. The tributary streams flow through the darkness. Okay, so the subtle source is clear and bright. You, If you see this, you see it. If you don't see it, then you will look for a subtle source that is clear and bright, and that's fine. But it needs to be done by sitting down and looking at all the tributary streams flowing through the darkness. It's like, uh, to use that metaphor, it's like the, 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 the mouth of the Amazon is just one huge movement of water that you can barely see it's moving. But it, it was created by countless tributary streams flowing through the darkness that are unsearchable, untraceable. You don't have to go there and try to un unravel your past karma or what happened in the 13th century, even though you were doing this or that, according to uh, whatever way that you're perceiving that or going into that area. It's just to acknowledge that where this all came from, whatever this is, are tributary streams flowing through the darkness. And it's, I wouldn't say it's a waste of time, but it takes a lot of time to go in and try to figure everything out and say, well, this caused that and this stream caused that and this bumped into that and caused that, then uh, then who's really the culprit here? No, it's, uh, it's just filled with, uh, was it culprithood? Yeah, culprithood everywhere. Everybody's to blame for everything. So fess up. And everybody is totally free of any culpability because of dependent origination. That being said, from the relative point of view of the statement I would make is you're responsible for everything. Everything is your responsibility. You need to respond. You need to have the ability to respond to everything as it is, as dependent origination. You don't have to impersonate dependent origination. You just have to stop fighting with it. Don't fight. Don't make peace. Don't make war. Don't distract. Those are the three poisons. And, and see your true nature. Kevin Bowing, what is, what is the difference between trying to track backwards through these tributary streams versus honoring lineage bowing uh, honoring lineage is very simple and, and it would show up and the way we do it is through repetition if you join the monastery uh we uh, in the morning we uh, all the people who are studying there uh, are reciting this lineage and we've even added in uh, recently uh through doing some research uh created a mother lineage that respects the ancient uh, lineage in ancient India, uh, the Tibetan, or the Chinese uh, lineage, the Japanese, uh, the Tibetan, and now the uh, lineage in the West. So we, we need to acknowledge that because it is a, it is a lineage. It does take someone who, who received from someone else uh, to be able to, it needs to be, as is sometimes said, warm hand to warm hand, a living being. Uh, you meet someone who understands this, and you have all the relative teachings that, that help you support it conceptually. But the fundamental understanding is uh, not separate. So more about that, uh, Kevin, if you haven't. 
I'm just thinking about how in the art world, provenance is so important, trying to track back to yep. the source, a clean uh, line, but that in our, which, which is what determines the value of the object, but we can't do that in our own lives. So how do we find what's inherently valuable? I'm the line. I'm the connection. I'm a, I'm a living being. Both of my teachers are gone. So that, that's not a credential. Uh, it's only a credential if you see it. And if you don't see it, I'm not here to convince you of it. Uh, and I would even say, well, do, do something else then. Go talk to some other guy or some other girl or some other man or woman or, or, or some. I've had people come and be students of mine and actually uh, got a good taste of what's going on here and gone back into Christianity. Is that incorrect? No. No, they, they just not ready for this. That would be my way of saying it. They might not think that. They might just say, I need to find the one true God. And the only thing I knew is to go and talk to my priest. And this is not incorrect. It might be a little odd or a little humorous, but it's, it's, it's not incorrect. It's, it's someone is aligning themselves with the dependent origination that is showing up. You may be able to do this. You may not be able to. If you're ready to do this, I'm all about helping you. I'll do anything I can do to uh, help you realize your true nature. Have I done that? I don't know. Have I? What is true nature? Who realizes that? Is there someone? Is there actually a teacher here? There's an old man wearing uh, 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 fancy uh, robes. I can't quite see that uh, from Daniel. There's a question from Daniel. Daniel says, from the Sandokai, isn't the darkness part of the clear and bright? Aren't the tributaries part? of the clear and bright? No. Disagree, <laughs> say something else, but no. That, that's, that kind of understanding is, is, uh, is to try to come to some kind of conclusion about it. Aren't they part of it? No. And I, I can't think of an, another response. I mean, I can interact with you more about it if you have further questions. Kevin Bowing, so in res your response to what Daniel said, he said, okay, thanks. <laughs> uh, that's pretty impressive, Daniel. <laughs> you didn't take that bait, did you? <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> well, as is, as, is my, uh, as is my want, I'll take somebody else's bait. <laughs> uh, <so laughs> bait thief. <laughs> um. In that exchange, am I understanding that to assume or or to say that the 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 darkness is the light is a similar approach to what you are inveighing against with saying like, well, we're all one as a kind of conclusion, bowing. It, 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 there's something to that. Yes, that's that's yeah, that's that's true. It's a, it's not that it doesn't have its truth, uh, of course, to Daniel, but. Uh, um, I don't know Daniel real well, but I know that Daniel was very close to the Vidyatara. So and if he was that close to the Vidyatara, then, you know, his, his probably his, uh, he's having trouble with his body odor. He followed up very good bait. Yeah, <laughs> he did. <laughs> so it is a, re a relative statement, of course, what Daniel said. It's, of course, yeah, isn't it the dark you can't have? 
you have to have dark uh, so that you can see that there's light. So here we could go in, and, but then we become philosophers or we become scholars. And then we start to debate about that. And then there's all kinds of books. We study those books. And you might say, well, why are we studying this if they're just mixing it up? Because we need to know about this, If you're, especially if you're a monk or if you're fully ordained or as a Buddhist, or if you're just strongly wanting to study Buddhism, then we need to study Buddhism as it shows up uh, in its... Uh, in uh, all the different layers or stages of, of the path. And some of those stages are have very strong, solid stone steps. Jeez, I'm dying. Yes, if nothing is separate, is everything me? Dying? Everything you? Yes. Let's hope not. <laughs> yeah, to, to, to some extent it is, but uh, it's it's not... It's not. Uh, uh, it's just not your idea of of you and what everything. It's you can't just kind of try to merge your your self centeredness or your lack of self centeredness or your conclusions, your exclusions with everything. Uh, you have to have to see it. You have to see it. Receive. You have to receive it. And when you receive it, uh, you would not have that question. But you need to have that question so I can say what I'm saying. You're saying what. What you're saying, I'm saying. What I'm saying, it's it's more to use the relative. It's more radical than than just that. It's it's so foundational that they're they're the whole idea idea of identity altogether is seen as a myth. Um, Jason Bowing. Yes, Jason. Um, when you were talking to Daniel, you uh, invited him. You, you put that bait out there. You invited him to ask more questions. I've noticed that sometimes you do that and really invite somebody to, to ask more questions. And other times you don't, you just kind of leave it there. What, like, what in, inside of you makes you, like, offer that bait or not offer that bait? Damn divino, Jason. <laughs> Uh, yeah, the way I say it, but I don't mean this like literally, but I, I, I don't really think in the conventional sense or so I don't really think about stuff. So when I say damned if I know, I, I really don't know. I can say it this way, and this may sound a little fancy, but that's how it looks over here as I meet. As soon as Daniel asks a question, uh, I meet Daniel where, where he's at. Everything else uh, is, uh, uh, you could say it go, just goes away, including my own thoughts, my own ideas my own feeling about wanting to make sure that, that I answer Daniel's question in such a way that Daniel likes me or thinks I'm enlightened or, or that you all think that I'm enlightened. There's some kind of manipulation of that. So we all experience some of that. It depends on who it is and how it shows up. And so meeting someone where they're at, just like with uh, Kevin's question, uh, if I were, if, you know, if um, uh, Jen or David or, or, or Sokoan or anyone to, were to ask uh, questions uh, the same question. It, it would there would be so much uh, because you're you're no you're no longer uh, objecting to or agreeing with or ignoring dependent origination. So there's no more personality happening. So the person is hearing what they need to hear. And it's not because I'm such a brilliant fellow and I think let's see how could I fundamentally help Daniel. You know, no, I, I respond and I hear what I'm saying at the same time he does. So I, I and it's not impulsive. Uh, it might be, if there, if there was a relative word, it might be more like spontaneous. 
It's like seeing the colors on the on the canvas or hearing the music and knowing exactly what needs to to come next. If anything, it's like it's like no longer the arts are are are, are a a kind of manifestation of uh, relative truth that you get to play with. You get to bring very limited, <laughs> somewhat limited, you know, a few colors on a canvas, and you get to use those in such a way that you're it's like you're a ruler. And this is what people like uh, uh, artists, uh, the one that comes to mind to me is not a particularly well-known, but Robert Motherwell was a, some, someone who painted the same painting over and over called Elegy to the Spanish Republic. And yet it always looks a little, there's a, a circle here and an oval here and then a line through it and it's black and gray. And he just painted that over and over and over again. Astonishing paintings. He also did lots of other kinds of paintings too, but those were ones that he, I know that did countless numbers of renderings and really large paintings, some of them. Um, was there, when, <laughs> after, when you answered his question and when you heard his question, did you see a line in your brain, in your mind, did you see a line of questioning that he could indeed ask or a line, like different lines of where that could go? And then you chose to not like follow it, let him do the finding. No, that's something you were doing. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Thank you. I don't do that. I don't do anything. I, I do everything out of, it's like dancing with things. I enjoy it. Uh, this is, this is uh, uh, interesting to me to do this. And it means a lot to me to work with people who are knotted up in their hope and fear and are torturing themselves. And so it means a lot for me to, for someone to give me permission to work with you or whoever you are in, in the way that and you could say, I don't say, trust me. I say, give me the benefit of the doubt, but you might have to actually trust me. I had to trust, trust a Vidyatara because he was way too frightening. I wanted to get out of there because it was terrifying to see that someone could actually see who you were and not be threatened by you at all. Go ahead, please. Go ahead, Yuhong. Yuhong, bye. Uh, follow up what you said to Daniel. Isn't nothing separate? Isn't darkness part of brightness and vice versa? Sure. Yeah, it is. Joyce Bowen? Yes, Joyce. I have a question about yesterday when you respond to Bobby's question, say things happen because of dependent origination, but not because of karma. Do I hear that properly? Joyce Bowen? Yeah, so uh, kar karma is a uh, a, a kind of a, a word uh, that means action in uh, Sanskrit, as I understand it, and uh, and there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, attachments to that about what that means, and it's good karma, bad karma, and all of that. So the, it's a big elaboration going on, but it's basically just dependent origination. Uh, if you take the if you take the the personality or the personhood out of it, just this moves, that moves, and what's moving out here in space is not a lot different than what's moving in the mind stream. Like uh, thoughts about, <clears throat> I mean, we have all these people, we have access to each other's minds. It's just an astonishing um, understanding or discovery or realization, however you want to say. Like I can say, or anybody can say any word, you say a word and 
you ask a question and this the, everyone's version of that question is arising in their idea, their mind stream. And they might have add things, they might things might be added, added on from their what karma or the causes and conditions that arises, you know, uh, your hair color or the shape of my ears or or my um, mother and father and anyone's mother and father and all the dependent origination that is just uncountable. It's so vast. And it's just it, even to say trillions and trillions uh, is is not enough. It doesn't. So so this the it looks like this, you know, moves through space and causes and it runs into something that is stops it. But then a third thing happens. Sound. So we have a gong that makes no sound. We have a stick that makes no sound, but brought together. We have a third in, in a different dimension altogether, not the dimension of uh, an object in space, another object in space. But it, those two things come together just like the vocal cords and create sound. And the, the conflagration, communication, cooperation. Um, um, what's that last one? No, not compassionation. Conspiracy. It's, I knew it was a C word. Uh, everything gets together to produce something else. And usually that something else is something you crave, I crave, we crave. And this is true with Buddhism. It's true with the spiritual path. And this is why I think it's uh, good if you are interested in seeing your true nature and seeing what this is before your body mind goes back into the elements, which it will. Uh, you might want to look at the mind. I can't do it for you. No one can. The Vidyadar couldn't do it for me. He knew that, and that took me years to see what he was telling me when I met him face-to-face -face and asked him very pointed questions about what I was going through. He didn't say much, but what he said uh, stayed, and I reflected on it year after year after year until, along with sitting practice, uh, um, I stopped having that question. Junchu bowing. There's two more questions from YouTube. The first from Benjamin Swartout. Okay. Are there stories that arise when you see what moves? Is the new story just continually transforming into a new story? Sure. The next question is from Shoshi. <laughs> oh, the smiling uh, tiger. No, it was a lion. Smiling lion. Yeah, Shoshi. Go ahead. Smiling lion. Why do I want to be as close as possible to my teacher and as far away as possible at the same time? Because you're a big scaredy cat, literally. Because you get, as it says in the tradition, you get too close to the teacher, you get burned. You get too far away, you don't get enough heat. Some people perceive that heat as love. And some people feel it as a threat to their self-centeredness. And that's probably what's happening with you. I notice you stay in touch. You seem to be kind of back and forth about exactly what you need to do. So, and that's, there's nothing to correct. I would never, you know, you, you're self-correcting anyway. You'll do whatever you need to do. You're not doing anything incorrect. But you might feel like you are. You might have the feeling of, ah, I need to do this. I need to do more. I need to get away from that guy. That guy's full of it. Or that guy just makes me more confused. So, good question. Thank you for that. It means a lot to, to me to hear from you, wherever you're at. But I don't need you to be my student. But if you look deeply, you may need what I have to say. But that's up to you. It's not a sales pitch. It's not an advertisement. 
read Norman Mailer's advertisements for myself that he wrote in the 1950s. Terrible book. <laughs> Is there a final question? Is that when you wants to know? There was a question from Nettie in the chat box. Okay. So, Go ahead, on. How do we know our mind is one with the Dharma when we talk? Nettie bowing. Uh, you won't know. So best to just not talk. Uh, really, I mean, I'm being silly. Just don't, 90, 10, don't say anything unless you have to. Just receive. One, your, your mind can't be, can't help but be one with the Dharma. It just may not show up as that aspect of the truth or the Dharma that is fundamentally helping others, fundamentally serving others, fundamentally dedicating one's life to others. The illusion of doing that is, uh, is that you're doing that is powerful, but the actual doing of that, will, there'll be no credential there. There'll be no reward. As long as you're looking for proof or results, this is the relative truth and it's very valuable. You need to, in order to fly to the moon or which looks like such a big deal to people. Uh, you need a bunch of science, you be, need proof. And we need proof as far as the COVID thing. We need proof as far as global warming. Of course, they're all highly relative structures, but the ultimate situation is uh, the idea of proof there becomes uh, uh, less, less relevant to the situation. It's more about uh, what you actually perceive without any math. When you was looking at me as if to say, are you done? Or... <laughs> she says, I have an afternoon of interviews. So so she's trying to save me uh, to, what are you trying to save me from? The interviews? From collapsing. Oh, from collapsing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not about to collapse. Please read me. I will, I will really. Okay, so now we're going to do the, what? Oh, we're going to do that in the monastery? Is there anybody in the monastery? Oh, there they are. Okay, get with it. <laughs> May the merit of this penetrate into all places so that we and every sentient being together can realize the Buddha's way. O Buddhas and Bodhisattvas of the Ten Directions and the Three Times, please hear us. Please come down out of the light and protect Sokukoji Buddhist Temple Monastery, our Sangha, families, friends, and visitors. Heal everyone who is unhappy, sick, or suffering and fill them with light. If you value the teachings of Sokozan and you would like to support his teaching work, and the functions of Sokukoji Buddhist Temple Monastery, which also supports monk and practice residents, please consider giving a donation by visiting our website at sokukoji 
www.ngnation.org.